Pushkin. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Houses in America are too expensive. There are a lot of reasons for this. One reason that we've heard a lot about in the past few years, regulations. Regulations that make it hard to build enough housing in the places people want to live. But there are other reasons that we've heard less about. One other less discussed reason, building houses is an inefficient process, and it's not getting better. Over the past several decades, as so many industries got so much more productive and more efficient, home building stayed largely unchanged. People have been dreaming of transforming home building for like 100 years now, dreaming of using modern industrial techniques to mass produce houses and bring down the cost. In the 1920s, for example, Buckminster Fuller even started a company to do that, but it never really got off the ground, never really worked. In the decades that followed, other people tried similar things, and, you know, we got mobile homes and we got manufactured houses, but nobody has really succeeded in fulfilling that that vision that Buckminster Fuller had. No one has figured out how to make beautiful homes at scale in a way that is optimized for factory mass production. Someone could do it. If someone could figure that out, it could go a long way toward bringing down the cost of houses in America. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem, the show where I talk to people who are trying to make technological progress. My guest today is Alexis Rivas, co-founder and CEO of Cover. Alexis' problem is this. How do you build houses in a factory the way you build cars? And how do you do it so that a factory-built house becomes cheaper and better than a traditionally-built house? Cover is based in L.A., in California, and like basically every other startup making physical things, they're following the Tesla model, starting with a low-volume, high-end product with the dream of scaling to the mass market. 
In other words, today, Cover sells expensive backyard studios to rich people in L.A., but their dream is to sell affordable houses all across America. Alexis was interested in architecture from a very young age. He told me he drew his first floor plan when he was in first grade. He went to college and studied architecture, and like so many people before him, he got captured by this dream of building houses in a factory. And there are companies in America that build houses in factories now, and so Alexis went off to intern at one of those companies. I saw uh, a problem with conventional construction and, and, and thought, well, what about building homes in a factory? So I, I looked that up and I actually went and interned for a company that built homes in a factory, so a prefab company. Uh, and they were basically doing it conventionally. It was like two by fours and drywall, right? But what happens is that when you add in the transportation, when you add in the overhead of actually running a factory, you know, to, to the customer, the price gains or the quality gains aren't really noticeable. It's not a meaningfully better product or a meaningfully cheaper product. Well, and is part of is part of the reason that the transportation is expensive uh, because they're making it like a conventional house it ends up like a 3D box, right? They're not making like flat panels. It's not an Ikea house. It's a it's a house that you put on the back of a giant truck uh, that is very expensive to hire and it costs a lot to move. Is that part of the issue? That's definitely part of it. That's definitely part of it. And then, and then once it gets to the site, because it's this large, you know, like you said, you know, almost container size, you know, or even bigger than a container size room that needs to be okay. lifted into place, you need a massive crane. Uh-huh. And those cranes can be $20,000 a day. Right. So, so, so that alone is a huge cost. If you need a crane yeah. for even one day, that's $20,000. I just want to clarify one thing that I realize might be ambiguous, and that is we're not talking about mobile homes here, right? We're talking about houses that are manufactured in kind of a similar way, but it's a full house. It's not a mobile home. It's not like a trailer park house. It's a house. No. Correct. It's, it's a house and, and it's built to the same building code and building standards as a conventionally on-site built home. Okay. Um, and that's what I saw. And so, you know, I saw a ton of opportunity to improve, right? Like I thought, I actually, when I worked there thinking, these guys have the solution to the Uh problem. And I left that internship thinking, this isn't the solution. And I actually started, that's when I started researching all of the other companies that were doing Uh prefab and learning about their Uh approach. And and everyone was basically doing the same thing, which was build homes in a factory, but conventional. Uh Uh, And that's where I realized there was a huge opportunity to solve this problem. Uh, and, and that's when I started chatting with my co-founder, Jim Well. So, you know, I went back to architecture school and said, hey, I think I think there's this huge problem and there's kind of two parts to it. There's, you know, how do we build homes in a factory more like how cars are made? So like, you know, true design for manufacturability, design for scale and design for automation. Right. Uh, and then there's a second part, which is uh, how do you do that? You know, while you're not building the same car or same home a hundred thousand times, there's some amount of variation that is necessary to serve the market, and this is where the customization comes in, uh-huh. right? And I think that, so. There's kind of two parts to the problem: build homes like cars, and uh, and and enable some enough enough customization that you can actually serve a large enough market. It has to be more customized than a car. Yes, but but kind of with the manufacturing principles of of a car, where you think not what is what is my dream car, but what is a car that is great that we could make a million of exactly the same exactly, yeah. and so that's when, that's when we started chatting, and that's that's when we started cover. So we we started cover while we were still in school. And when was that? That was two thousand fourteen. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So a long time ago, a key moment for me that's interesting, both in the life of your company and in sort of the housing story more generally, is 
when California passes this law that makes it easier for people to put uh, what's technically called an ADU, which is basically like a little backyard cottage or apartment on their house. Um, is that the right moment to talk about next? Yeah. So, so, so yeah, we, we, you know, we, we started the company while we we're still in school, graduated, uh, moved out to, to, uh, to California the day after graduating, basically three months after graduating, that law was passed. Okay. And interestingly, at the time, uh, we had realized that instead of focusing to start on entire, you know, single family homes, right. Call it a 2000 or 3000 square foot home. Uh, we, we should actually focus on backyard, you know, little backyard offices or guest homes. Um, we, we actually realized we should focus on this before that law came out. Oh, interesting. Because, yeah, and the reason for that is is really, you know, taking the lean iteration process of a startup and how do you apply this to this large, complex product? Well, start with the smallest possible version of that product you can. Right, the minimum right? viable product. You minimum viable, minimum product. viable product is not a 2,000 square foot house. It's a 500 square foot studio with a bathroom and a kitchen. Exactly. And so we realized that. And then it turns out the timing was just perfect because uh, this law came out and we were already positioned, you know, we were like, we already have the website. We just have to, uh -huh. you know, speak to this new regulation. And so the market for what we were focusing on, you know, I don't know what number, probably over a hundred X, you know, it, it, within three months of us starting there. So it was just good luck. It was good yeah. luck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And like maybe a little bit like you're just kind of in the zeitgeist, right? That's the non-pure good luck part of it is kind of it was in the wind. Yeah, we had our investors, you know, basically reach reach out and say, did you guys like pass this law within three months? And we're like, <laughs> uh -huh. no, we, you know, we, we wish we could take credit for it, but we didn't do anything there. Yeah. So, OK, so now you got a company, you got the, the law is suddenly on your side. What do you have to do to go from that moment to actually selling somebody a backyard studio and putting it in their backyard. So, so, so really what we wanted to do is, is prove to the world that not only could you build homes in a factory, you know, efficiently and at low cost and fast, but that you could build homes that are way better than conventionally built homes. So, uh, you know, high end, you know, kind of change people's perception of a home, of a prefabricated home, a home built in a factory, to something that's that's actually desirable, that's better, right? And noticeably, right? Not like, oh yeah, it's better in these three ways that you have to read on on the on the brochure, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's actually you look at it, and you're like, wow, that's beautiful. That's that's you know, in the that looks like it was built by a star architect, right? Or, or <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. That's yeah. that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. In a minute, why Alexis had to hire people from the car business to make cover work and the problems Cover still needs to solve to sell factory-built houses at scale. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. 
Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. Oracle.com strategic. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. So... That's the that's the dream. Tell me about some of the things you had to figure out to do that, to get from the idea to the thing. Yeah, I think one of the biggest realizations, um, you know, we were starting to build this. Uh, my co-founder and I both have architecture backgrounds. And the more we built, the more we realized the reason that this problem hasn't been solved from within the architecture construction world is because some of the core skills that are needed to solve this problem aren't known and taught by most people in that world. Huh. Huh. And we realized that actually, if you want to build homes like cars, you, you need people that understand homes, but you also need a lot of people that understand cars huh. to be part of the, the innovation process. What specifically are the sort of skills or knowledge sets that you need from the, from the car industry? Yeah, I mean, uh, one big one is, is design for manufacturability and design for assembly. So, you know, you don't just design the part for what it's going to do when it's in the car. You design the part with how you're going to make it in mind so that uh -huh. you can make it incredibly efficiently and at a low cost and, and reliably and at a very high quality consistent. Uh-huh. And like it has to be exactly the same every time, right? Yes. There's like a precision element I think of in cars that is probably 
not there in conventional home building, right? That's right. Even the units that you you talk in, right? Um, like, uh, you know, when, when I was in architecture school, people talk, you know, people talk, you know, oh, it's going to be within an eighth of an inch or even an eighth is like tight, right? Most people are like, you know, yeah, within half an inch, or within a quarter of an inch, right? In in automotive, you're talking, you know, how many thousandths of an inch, uh-huh, uh-huh. right? And so, and and actually at cover, that's, that's we, we talk in terms of, yeah, this tool has to have this many thousandths of an inch precision. So it's, Orders of magnitude more precise. And that's because it just has to fit together automatically. You're not going to have a carpenter there to kind of just make it work. Exactly. And we yeah. actually, we learned that the hard way, you know, one, that's exactly how we learned that this is a problem. We, we, we tried to build something ourselves. Uh, it didn't fit as expected. And as we kind of went and, and root caused it, we learned that, yeah, it, you know, have being off by 1%, you know, in a degree over eight feet, like that doesn't fit together at the end of the day. Uh-huh. Um, and, and yeah, if, if you need someone on site to then, you know, sand something or trim it down, that kind of defeats the purpose. Cause now you're building it once in the factory yeah. and you're rebuilding it again once it gets to the site. So it defeats the purpose. It has to just fit together right once it shows up on site. So you figure it out eventually, right? You, you do, you are now making and selling little backyard homes, little studios. So, I mean, one one thing we haven't talked about in the sort of bigger, why is home building inefficient? Why hasn't it uh, progressed? Part of it seems like the regulatory piece, right? There's so many rules for construction, permits you have to get. Um, in some places, it seems to be captured by the people who are being regulated, right? So as you are trying to figure out how to mass produce these studios, is there a regulatory piece you have to deal with? Because we're building homes in a factory, yeah. there's a state approval process for everything that's built in the factory. Okay. Um, and so that's something that we, we, you know, we have a relationship with, with, with this agency. They go and look at our design and our way of doing things. And they actually look at our quality control process and our uh-huh. quality control documentation, they approve that as an overall process. And then, yes, we're, we're an approved factory-built home uh, manufacturer. Okay. But we still have to submit and get approval for each home from the city. But the, the scope of what the city looks, le- looks at is smaller. Okay. And the city, you're basically selling in LA now, right? So when you say the city, is that basically the city Correct. of Los Angeles? Yeah, city of Los Angeles, yeah. Um, and, and what they look at is, is much narrower. It's basically, are you even allowed to build this, you know, on this property? Where on the property is it going to be located and is that acceptable? Right. And, and things like how far is it from the closest fire hydrant? Right. Yeah. And, and what's the access like if there was a fire, you know, basic kind of safety things. Right. And so that's the permitting process, um, with the city, uh, and, the, and they'll also look at the foundation. Right, so so the, the majority of the the actual building side of things is is handled on the state level, and then the local specifics are handled at the city level. When did you sell your first thing, your first studio? The the first actual backyard home with a kitchen and bathroom, right? Like the you know real like a real yeah. home. That one uh, we sold in 2017. Okay, and uh, and then we delivered it in 2018. It took us a while to figure out the system uh-huh. and, and, and engineer the whole thing. And and where are you two now? Like, how many have you sold? How many do you sell per whatever, per month or per year, however you look at it? Yeah, yeah. So we've we've built dozens of these. So like, you know, well over 30 of them. Okay. Um, uh, you know, across LA, we've also built one in, in Joshua Tree. We've built dozens of them and, and, and we're, we're delivering homes every month. Huh. 
So let's talk about where the product and the process are now. How does it work? Uh, the, the way to think about it is we have you know, multiple production lines, right. right, for different parts of the home. So you have a you know a roof and floor panel production line, okay. a wall panel production line, a cabinetry production line, and so these are running. We're making the individual parts. Uh, we're 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 doing quality control, uh, and then and then we're getting them ready to ship. And so these okay. are, these all get shipped on on regular flatbed trucks. The sort of output of the factory is like a bunch of like walls and roof panels and cabinets, and they like. And the and the and the walls have like pipes and wires in them. I mean, just just give me like a little bit more detail yeah. of like how this is actually working. Yeah, yeah. So 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 yeah. Right. It's it's um, on the production line. We're building you know the structure. We're putting the insulation in. Uh-huh. We're putting the waterproofing in. Uh-huh. We're putting the, all of the connection mechanisms so that everything can can connect quickly on site. Okay. Um, and, and we're also putting in plumbing and electrical. So, right? so there are like pipes and wires just running through walls that you're building in the factory. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the goal, right, is to minimize the amount of complexity that you have to do on site. How long does it take to put the house together at the site? We're, we're right now we're at about a month. Um, uh, about a month. That might be longer than I would have guessed. I mean, I'm ignorant. I don't know why I would have guessed less, but I was just imagining like, oh, it's just a bunch of Lego blocks and you get there and you just snap them together. Yeah, and and actually, we're working on making it even faster, yeah. right? I think we, we we can go even faster than that, and so we're working. That's what that's when we say the reason we're not building a hundred homes per year, yeah. right, or a thousand homes per year, is because we want to get it even faster before we go and scale, not just on site, but even in the factory. Yeah. So so presumably the person, the the buyer, already has what poured a foundation, and we like has well. all of the hookups ready. That, that is that that's like before the house gets there from the factory, obviously. Yeah, that's the foundation, the hookups, the utility hookups. That's all done before we we do manage that for our customers, right? Uh-huh. Um, so that they just come to us and we take care of everything: the permits, the foundation, the manufacturing, the installation. Um, but yeah, the the assembly itself is uh, yeah about a month. So what is that? What is that month of work? What are people doing for that month? Yeah, so so the structure goes up relatively quickly, like one or two days, um, and then and then you're waterproofing it, uh, you're installing the windows, you're installing the interior walls, uh, and then and then you're you have some plumbing, you have some electrical in, but you've got to connect it all, you've got to connect it to the the panel, right, and then connect that to the to the utilities. Um, actually, we install we we ship them with uh, ducting and HVAC already installed, right, but. Uh-huh. You still need to make connections, test those connections, make sure they're reliable, right? Go and install, and then go and install all the finishes, all of the interior interior wall panels, uh, exterior finishes, you know, countertops, ca- cabinetry, align them. Uh, that's one thing that 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 takes quite a bit of time. And, and then and then while we do the first coat of paint from the factory uh, today, uh, we 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 do a finished coat on site, and so that's another thing. You know, that'll take a few days, right? You know, including letting it dry and all. It's still, you know, that's still faster than conventional construction, but we can go even faster than that. And that's what we're working on. So you mentioned that you're still sort of trying to get the process right so that you can scale, so that you can sell 10 times as many houses as you're selling now or whatever. What's a thing in the process that you haven't figured out yet? What's a like a optimization problem that you're working on right now? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a simple one, like the the paint, right? Painting on site, pa- to, to paint something well, it requires a good eye, it requires craft, it requires attention to detail. And, and so that, that requires 
sending a painter uh, on site. You know, when, you, when you're building a car, you don't want to be reliant on someone's skill and craft. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things that we're trying to figure out how to do is, and we're, and we're going to, is move the painting process into the factory huh. and then ship things uh, in a way where they're protected so that it all comes together when people are moving around with their, you know, the fridge or the cabinets and they accidentally knock on the, you know, or, or scrub past the wall. Yeah. It doesn't damage the painting and require uh, refinishing. And so are you, right? you're talking about interior painting now? Interior painting, like, yeah. Naively, not knowing anything about it, I would think, well, you could just paint it at the factory. That shouldn't be that hard. But tell me why it is hard. I'm sure it is. I just well, don't yeah, know. Well, we, yeah, we've done that. We've, we've, we've tried to do both coats in the factory. And, okay. and then what happens is that they get scuffed along the way, right? Or, uh -huh. or you know, there might be something that, you know, one part doesn't fit together. And so you need to trim it. And that uh -huh. creates dust. And I have dust all over it, right? That kind of problem. Is there some kind of, like industrial scale sort of saran wrap? Could you paint it and then put like a plastic film over it and then not remove the plastic film until the end? Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's the solution, right? Um, Probably uh, not, you know, but it, I don't know anything. It's what came to my mind. I mean, what have you tried? I mean, we, we've tried just painting it from the factory. That doesn't work, <laughs> right? Uh, we've tried kind of protecting it in shipping. And, and, and while that helps, right, from the shipping process, uh -huh. uh, you know, once you install it on site, there, there's some challenges there, right? Mm -hmm. A film... Right, might not cut it. Right, some of the sometimes what happens is, uh, you know, that might help for eighty percent of the, the scuffs. Right, but you, but if you actually, you know, moving a fridge and you hit the corner of the fridge, that's going to create a bit of a dent. So there's many things like that. It's not yeah. like there's one big thing that yeah. takes a ton of time. It's it's really like hundreds of small things that need to be figured out, uh, and 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 from a process standpoint and from a product standpoint to make this, you know much more like like a like a car. Well, so let's talk about let's talk about uh cost and price. What does one of your backyard studios cost? Today, you know, for a, a unit that has like a a bedroom, a bathroom, a kitchen, right? Like a fully functional living space. While you can go smaller and, and get under $300,000, most of them are are going to be over 300,000. Over 300,000. So but that's all in. That includes the, the that's city expensive. Fees. I mean, the median yeah. price of a home in the United States is somewhere around there. So, like, yes, you're you're building an expensive backyard home now. Yep, we're starting off with a product that's very high end, right? Okay. Like we we include like sub zero wolf appliances, uh -huh. right? Um, which you know, that, that, a fridge and, a, and an oven there can be fifteen thousand dollars, right? Just just that, yeah, right. Um, so it's very high end. Uh, and, and we're proving to the world that this is better than conventional construction. Uh -huh. And then as we ramp up production, as we build more and more, we will lower the cost and be competitive with, you know, mass. You could build the same home, like the typical American home for the same price. Right? Like that's where we want to get to. For you to get from where you are now to where you want to be, to building full size houses for people who are not rich, you need to get better at building the houses and then the world needs to discover you and want to buy your houses, right? Those are the two sides. So so one side of that is you getting better at building those houses. Um, you mentioned painting as an example of a thing you have to get better at. What's another example? Yeah, I mean, an, an, another example is actually on the supply chain side. So a lot of our supply chain historically has been what I would call a prototyping supply chain. Who is close? <laughs> who can get it done fast? And who can we basically go, you know, just drive to? And if we have feedback or we need to make changes, um, because what we've optimized for is speed of iteration uh -huh. right uh -huh. um, but as we scale 
one of the biggest changes we need to make is to say, you know what, we're going to lock down this design. We're not not forever, but we're going to say we're going to build a hundred that are going to be the same. Yeah, we're going to stop. We're going to stop monkeying with it. We're going to stop iterating on this one thing for a while. For a while, so we order a hundred of the same parts, and when you order a hundred parts from a supplier versus, you know, ten, right? It's a huge difference in cost. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about you can you can reduce the cost sometimes, you know, fifty percent, sometimes even yeah. more, right? And so, are you there? Are you there yet? Are you ordering 100 at a time now? We're, we're close. We're close. We're now setting up the long-term supply chain. Okay. We're, we're kind of taking the product from this prototyping phase yeah. to, hey, we're ready to scale this. Let's, let's go build thousands of homes. That, that's where we are. So, so then there's the demand side, right? Is that the other piece? People have to want to buy these houses from you. Yeah. People have to want to buy these homes from us. Uh, fortunately, there, because we have a product that, that is much better than conventional construction. Um, even at this price point, we've we've always had a backlog of orders. So is the only thing keeping you from selling full-size houses right now uh, your own desire to make your process better before you do that? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's, the, it's kind of like, you know, nail it and then scale it. Did you make that up or is that a thing people say? Is that like a Y Combinator thing? It's, it's, I didn't make that up. I, I, an investor friend said it, actually. It's like, we, we love the nail it, scale it approach. It summarizes it well. When you put it that way, it sounds binary. It sounds like there will be a day when you're like, okay, let her rip. Is, is, yeah. But, you know, the real world is often not like that. Yeah. Do you have a moment in your mind? Is there a thing you're trying to get to when you say like, okay, we, we know how to do this well enough that we can, we can let it rip? Yeah, the focus is really on the the on-site assembly side of things there. Uh, once that process can basically be done by anyone, right? So this is not necessarily people that have extensive construction training, right? We can, you and I can go build it or, 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 or you know, or, uh, someone who's currently working at Starbucks or at a restaurant, you know, as long as they want to work with their hands and, and can, you know, follow the instructions well, anyone can build a cover. Once uh -huh. it's at that point the installation side of things can scale very well. Oh, right, because that's the, that's is that the binding constraint now? I mean, you were talking about the bottleneck. Yeah. Is the real bottleneck now the skilled labor you need to install the house on site once it's out of the factory? It is. And uh -huh. and for most prefab companies, even the ones where they're shipping entire rooms, yeah. that on-site process still takes, you know, they say, oh, it assembles in a day. But really, um, re really what they do is they, they put the, parts together in a day, but then they spend four weeks patching it up, uh -huh, right? Or uh -huh. six weeks patching it up. So even the, the when you're shipping room size pieces, that that's the bottleneck. And so, uh, yeah, that that's the focus is making it so that, you know, that won't be the bottleneck uh, because then the complexity can be in the factory, but there's a playbook for making factories more efficient, right? Like any company that's had to scale up production has had to learn how to make factories more efficient. So there's much more of a playbook for how to do that than there is for how to scale what's going on on site. Right. So what, so, so the, the real process improvement you need to figure out is what can you change in your, in the factory manufacturing process so that, uh, assembling the house on site requires less skill. That's right. Uh -huh. and, 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 and the result of that is that it's also faster, but yeah, exactly. At a certain level, what Alexis and Cover are trying to do, you know, designing this thing so that it can be made in a factory, so you don't need high-skilled laborers to 
assemble it on site. It reminds me a little bit of the original Industrial Revolution in England, more than 200 years ago now, where they did something quite similar. Uh, but instead of doing it with houses, they did it with cloth. That moment, you know, figuring out how to mass produce something for cheaper with machines, that's really the beginning of this era of technological progress that we've been living through ever since. We'll be back in a minute with the lightning round, including Alexis tips for designing a small space that doesn't feel that small. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Now, back to the show. Let's finish with the lightning round. Um... Just going to ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah. I read that you canceled all meetings for everybody at your company on Tuesdays. 
Yes. Is that true? It's true. So it why, true. why Tuesdays? Uh, I, actually, I, I wasn't like big on the Tuesday. I, the, the Tuesday thing was just that we had to pick a day. And I just said, that, hey, it's either going to be Tuesdays or Thursdays. And we put it up to a vote. And Tuesday won surprisingly by like 70%. So I was like, <laughs> okay, we'll just, let's, just do, let's just do Tuesdays. Who's the most overrated architect of the last hundred years? I think there's, I think Frank Gehry, honestly. I think Frank Gehry, there, there's some, I will say there are some very impressive things that he has done from a technology standpoint, right? As far as uh, how his building, because there's such crazy like geometry. metal that looks like it's like rippling in the breeze or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that metal actually, like they've done some pretty innovative stuff on it. So for, I'd say from a, from a technology standpoint, he's actually very impressive and inspiring. But? But I just don't see why buildings need to look like, you know, scrunched up napkins. Like, why? Uh, and okay. this is controversial, but, you know, why? I like it. So who's the most underrated architect of the last hundred years? Oh, uh, underrated. I'd say, you know, Mies van der Rohe and Le Corbusier. So they're, they're by no means underrated. They're, I think, highly respected within the architecture world. But outside of the architecture world, a lot of people don't even know about them. Right. Um, and they, they, one of the things that I think was really, really interesting about the work that they did and um, the vision that they set out for the world was they looked at the car as kind of this thing that we should aspire to in architecture, uh -huh. you know, in terms of uh, making it affordable to people, making it uh, a mass, a mass market product. And actually they talked a lot about the vision of, of factory made homes so that you could have incredible homes for everyone. And I think a lot of that has been lost. From your professional experience, uh, what do you understand about houses that most people don't? Yeah, I think, I think one thing there is, is not all square feet are created equal. And huh. like the, the degree to which this can be true shocks people sometimes, right? Huh. People look at like, oh, how many square feet is this home? Like you can have a thousand square foot home that feels smaller than a 600 square foot home. Huh. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, so there's a lot that you can do from a design standpoint to make small spaces feel bigger, right? So, and, and, you know, again, less is more, right? What's one way to do it? What's like one tip for optimizing your, your space? Yeah, um, large windows is huge, uh -huh. like large floor to ceiling windows. Uh -huh. um, and, then, and then just good layout where you don't have a bunch of wasted space and kind of like transition, like hallways, right? Or foyers, uh -huh. right? Like, you, you have to kind of don't think about that space because you don't use it all the time. Uh -huh. um, do you think you'll run cover for the rest of your career? That's all I want to do. I want to build awesome homes and, and you know, whether it's backyard homes, single family homes, multifamily, that, that, that's all I want to do. Yeah. Alexis Rivas is the co-founder and CEO of Cover. Today's show was produced by Edith Russolo, edited by Sarah Nix, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. You can email us at problem at pushkin.fm. I read every email. You can also find me on Twitter at Jacob Goldstein. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.